Welcome everybody to another episode of Driven Minds. This is your host Franz Bowen. This is your host Travis Weeks. And uh, we have uh, another dope special guest like Envy was saying, right? Word <laughs> up, right? Shout out to Envy, man. He's shiny. Right. <laughs> Guess uh Major Reese, welcome. Hey. Hi. <laughs> I'm glad Travis said my name because I feel like you were gonna mess it up. <laughs> <laughs> you know, right? It's like Denise. After the third cup, we'll know. Right, it's literally Denasia. That's it. I don't know why people don't get it. Right, it's a happy hour here at the Driven Minds podcast. But um, man, we're 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 definitely pleased to have you come by. You you know, to uh, I'm listening. I'm just acting. So you know, and and that's how it is. You know, Denasia's a mover and shaker, so she has to, you know, keep a constant contact with all her uh prospective clients. But um, yeah, man. Uh, take it away, Trav. Mover and shaker, um, event coordinator, marketing specialist. Um, how how do you describe yourself professionally, actually? At this point, I think I'm going with event production and brand marketing. I think I'm going with event production and brand marketing consultant. Okay. okay. Yeah, that's. I'm going through a rebrand right now, actually. Yeah, because you 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 have a a, a pretty lengthy um. LinkedIn was fronting on me because I didn't want to sign in, so they were trying to make me. You don't remember your password, do you? But yeah, that's true. (laughs) (laughs) You can't can't sleep on LinkedIn. You really? No, you you cannot though. But but um, (laughs) you you do wear many different hats though. You know, I just wanted to. I guess you jump right in it. Like, so where are you from? I'm from LA. LA originally. I was born in Inglewood, and then I grew up in North Hollywood. Mm. Which is like this really small, random San Fernando Valley town where all the recording studios are. So I grew up like seeing a lot of celebrities. Like a lot of my favorite albums were recorded down the street from my childhood home. Mm. So I think I grew up with like this creative energy around me and this kind of sense of like, you know, growing in LA, it's like you feel like everything's possible. Sure. Because it is, because the sun always shines. (laughs) You know, everyone's beautiful. You know, you're right by the ocean. Like, there's this feeling that you can do anything. And I think I've carried that for a long time. That's what's up. That's what's up. So how did, what what, what brought you to this type of uh, creative career as in event production? What, how did you gravitate towards this? Were there any influencers early on in your life? Um, You know what? Fashion shows. I have loved fashion shows my entire life. So everything for me started with a love of fashion. I went to school for fashion marketing and management. Where? At the Art Institute of California, like a Google school, as I like to call it, where you Google the school, they interview you when you're in. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But I have a bachelor's Might have to go get a master's. You can do it. Well, they're actually, I think they're being sued right now, so maybe not from there. But, <laughs> but yeah. So yeah, that's where I went to school, and I fell in love with fashion shows at a very young age. I started working on them in 2011. Okay. And from there, it was like, all right, I don't want to be in the fashion industry anymore, but I love events. And so then I started working for a music marketing and promotions company called YBR Promotions in San Francisco, where I went to school. And then through promoting events and going to them, I realized that I wanted to be doing production. And so I moved from San Francisco in 2014 with nothing and moved to Chicago and was like, oh man, I'm going to start doing events. I'm going to make this work. And, And yeah, here we are two years later. 
Two years later, still. Yo, what, what, was, what was that transition like? I mean, um, the Bay Area. Were you in San, Fr- San Francisco or were you like Oakland? I was in San Francisco for five okay. years, and that's part of why I moved because it was getting to the point of like you have to move to Oakland in order to stay in the Bay Area. Right. The Bay Area. And I was not for that. I yeah. was like, I moved to San Francisco. And I ain't not going to nobody's Oakland. And that's that. So, like, if I'm moving, I'm moving. <laughs> and then you end up in Chicago, Chirac. Like, yes, uh, don't say that. Yeah, don't don't call it. All right, that's, that's cool. I mean, you know. No. So, where did you stay in Chicago? I live in a neighborhood called Pilsen, which is in the sort of early to mid stages of gentrification. Right. So How far is that from Lincoln right Park? Now. Oh, it's a minute. That's, so Lincoln Park is the north side, right. and Pilsen is like kind of southwest. Okay. Yeah. I got you. Say more west. So then, so, all right, so now you develop this love for um, event management and production, and you move into Chicago. What was your first opportunity uh, there? Can I say, I haven't really had many. That's what's been kind of funny about Chicago. Chicago, for me, has been this incredible, like, resting place. Mm. It's a place where I go to like rejuvenate and get my ideas. I've met a lot of fantastic people there, wonderful people that I love there. But it's more of like this office that I kind of sleep in. It's like this, it's very much like a high reach. It's almost like a studio in a lot of ways. It's like where I go to make the work Mm. or to work on the work, and then it happens somewhere else. So since I lived in Chicago, I've done events in Atlanta, New York, Austin. Um, trying to get some stuff going to DC, but I've traveled there. Like I've traveled to like at least eight different cities. Wow! So it's more of a home base for you as it opposed really to. What, would you um? Well, sorry, would you, well, would, would you um? Feel about the culture change as far as from San Francisco to Chicago? What do you? That was hard. Really? That was hard, and for a lot, and for a few reasons. One, moving from California was such a culture shock because mm. like being in California is such a unique thing. Mm. I feel like it's this place that everybody wants to get to. And so there's always that feeling like, oh my God, you're from California. And every time I meet somebody in Chicago and they're like, where are you from? I say LA. They're like, why the fuck did you move? (laughs) 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 And my favorite is like, I'll meet dudes and they'll be like, oh yeah, I've been trying to get to Cali. And I'm just like, well, you should look into American Airlines because it's Mm -hmm. right there. Like, it's so funny. And like, Chicagoans, I think, have this, like, I meet a lot of people from Chicago who have never really left. Whether no, it's that's visited, true. Whether it's to visit, it's like this very intense. I feel like that like about Philly a little bit. I hear what you're saying. Oh, Philly is definitely a bubble. Yeah, yeah, sure. yeah, definitely right. Salty bubble from um, what I hear. Right. <laughs> from what I hear. Right. I don't know. I'm not from Philly. Don't come step to me, Philly. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want no problems. So, to this um this this beginning start of event production, what do you feel is one of the well, what, well, what was one of the first events that um. Chicago, whether basically while you were in Chicago, whether you did something in Atlanta, whether you did something in New York, what was one of the first events that you were a part of that you felt okay, like this is really special, this is why I know, this is what I want to do, and whatnot? Oh gosh. Um, hmm. You know, honestly, it wasn't an event in Chicago. I think the thing that really set me off into the journey that I'm on now and like where I'm going, because like I found this really great niche of like branding and events. That's why I'm going with event production and brand marketing consultant because they converge so often. Like what I just did with A3C at Atlanta, the music festival, was account management of the Toyota, Xbox, and TuneCore. And so my whole job was to make sure that the festival was happy and the brand was happy. And so that's a really great niche for me. And so my first experience with with that was in 2012 when I was working with YBR slash Culture Vulture. YBR is like a promotions company and Culture Vulture is their event production company. And so they did an event with Lexus. 
And our whole job was just to pack out the guest list, just to find the coolest 1,200 people in San Francisco. Were you working as an independent contractor this time? or No, I was an employee in? with YBR for two okay. years. And then I've actually, yeah, it's funny. I've only really had like four jobs before I became a consultant, mm. which is kind of scary to think about. I mean, <laughs> hey, you guys sound like you figured it out. I fascinated But yeah, so I, we did the Lexus event. It was just so cool, and I saw what it would look like when a brand really put their money behind something cool. Mm, okay. You know, because like that's the thing with the brand marketing and event thing. It has to be about the event at the end of the day. Because if you're gonna go for something that's just like this is a commercial for this brand, but technically it's a party, don't bother. Right, right, you know, like yeah. you need to do something that's actually engaging, and that was what was cool about the festival. Was like our whole job from the beginning was to create the cool experience, create these activations, and build them out, and make them something that was a part of what we were doing, and not just like here's this thing with the, the brand slapped on it. Right, we like, clearly right. paid a lot of money for. It. And that, and that's the wave that's on right now. You find a lot of entrepreneurs and a lot of creators right now are trying to, you know, um, get those brand sponsorships. And right now they're tying that um. They're tying, um, there's a marriage between major brands and culture. Mm-hmm. How do you fit in between that? And where do you see the future of that? Future of that goes? I always say I like to bring the revenue to the revolution, right? So, like, I like to work with people that are doing really innovative, cool things and reach out to brands and companies that want to support that, truly mm-hmm. want to support that, not just slap their name on it, not just put some money on it. And I think it has to go back to the brand. I think anything that you're doing as a person, as a brand, as a business, you have to have a core thing that drives you, if you will. <laughs> like you have to have <laughs> yeah. Shout out Toyota. We're going places. Yeah, I think that like that has to be a thing that drives you. It has to be for me it's innovation, inspiration, evolution, connection, and productivity. Mm-hmm. If what I'm doing doesn't line up with any of those five things, hopefully all of them, at least two, three, something, yeah. I don't do it. So if I don't feel connected to it, if it's not productive, if it's not inspiring, if it's mm. not innovative, if it's not going to help me evolve, I just say no. And so I think you have to decide what your brand is from the beginning, right? And only do things that are in line with that. If you're a person who's about the community, like, I me, mean, I do everything I do for black girls. If you want to do something that will elevate black women, call me right up. I'll get on the bus. You know, if you want to do something that elevates different people, I might not be your girl. You know, like the event I'm doing tomorrow, <laughs> which Travis is going to be a part of, is Office Hack with this amazing company that actually used to work at Valley called 2020 Shift. And their mission is to solve the problem of diversity in tech through hybrid roles, which are like your sales, marketing, business development, digital marketing, stuff like that. Even getting into some of the technical stuff like product and UX and stuff. And so I started working with them this year because I went to Office Hack last year and I was like this is incredible this is inspirational I feel connected to it it's a part of the evolution of an entire industry like all of my things lined up and I've been able to work with them and create these really cool experiences that are in line with what they're doing and help them to grow we're doing a conference next year and all of that so I think you have to look at what you're about and say who can I work with whether it's a brand putting their money behind it and finding that influencer or whether it's an influencer reaching out to brands like if you're not a fashion person, if that's not a part of your brand, don't reach out to fashion companies and ask them to give you money to promote things. It's not your audience. Nobody cares. Mm-hmm. If you're a fitness person, you know, don't hit up checkers. 
and be like, hey, <laughs> I want to work with you. You know? <laughs> like, it just doesn't, doesn't make any sense. But you see that happening all the time. Yeah. And the biggest thing I see are people who want that influencer money, who want those relationships, or who want the brand money, I should say, who want those relationships, saying, why did they choose this person and not me? The biggest waste of time in the world is asking why me. It's the stupidest question you can ever ask. <laughs> either why me or why not me. Because people that are working, they don't ask that. They ask when me because it's going to be eventually because I'm working my ass off and eventually. I'm that's flat. So that's the only truth. Right? So what are what are some, um, in, in your professional experience, what are some earmarks that uh, brands, uh, big box brands might be looking for uh, from potential partners? Relationships. Relationships, 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 and genuine support. Authenticity is everything. And I think that's the truth, period. People can see through your bullshit. Mm. Always. You know, and relationships will always matter. That's why Office Hack is so special, because we bring people into tech companies that are hiring. And so it stops being about your resume or your LinkedIn profile, all these things that people can see, these one-dimensional things, and it becomes, here you are in this room. And if you can't show up and impress people, who are we going to blame? It's not me. It's not LinkedIn. It's not your resume. This is you in this room right now. You know? And so I think brands know when people are just trying to get to them because they're cracking and they're popular or whatever. Right. If you never supported this brand, if you follow a brand that day and then hit them up and say, I want to work with you, you're not going to get a phone call back. <laughs> you know, if everyone knows that you've always supported this brand from when you had six followers to having six hundred thousand, they're gonna call you. Yeah, I, you know that's honest because I even like the partnership between Nas and Hennessy. Like I, I thought that was a really organic um, partnership. Nas talked about Hennessy since Exactly. <laughs> so it, it just made sense, and and then even in that vein, like I didn't even feel like it was usually when uh, a celebrity from our culture partners with, uh, you know, a legacy brand like Hennessy, you always kind of feel a certain, well, I at least always feel a certain way about it because it's like, damn, there's like really no connection. But when I saw that, it was like, man, this is organic. Like it feels natural. Right, right. Nas is a, a, an amazing spokesperson, uh, you know, and, and just amazing look for Hennessy as much as Hennessy is for him. Right. Um, so I, I, that point that you just made really rang home with me. But if you look at even A3C, first, first of all, they had Lexus, they had Microsoft, Xbox, or whatnot. Do you find like, is that something, is that like a new wave now where these like major corporations are finally like, okay, wow, like these brands, these urban brands are really attracting our demographics, so they're reaching back to, do you feel like now for companies, different creative collectives that have these ideas for these really dope events, mm -hmm. now they have a really good chance of getting these type of uh, brand partnerships and getting that check for event market, event experimentation market. Experience. So there are two things to answer, sort of, to, I guess, address that. <laughs> is one, experiential marketing is like an 18, less than 20-year-old industry. So if it feels like brands are just starting to really get behind it, it's because they are. Can you uh, break down, just before you continue to that, what experiential... Um... So experiential marketing is creating marketing strategies that are centered around experiences. So instead of, hey, here's a flyer with my brand on it. Hey, here's a, you know, 
portable charger you may never use again with my brand on it or whatever kind of crap you can stick your name on and pass out to people. It's giving people an experience. That you will never forget because you'll experience Exactly. And, and that experience is associated with the brand. So Lexus, for example, that event that we did four years ago, that was an experience. Like if you were on that list of 1,200 people, you were one of the only, I mean, there's thousands of people in San Francisco and you're one of 1,200 that got to experience that. There was all sorts of incredible food, celebrities. We have these like two cars you could like kind of test drive. Like they took these cars and helicoptered them onto the roof of this event and like it was a whole thing that everybody stood around and watched like that's the kind of experience that you'll that's never like shit. you know or toyota at a3c did they had their own little section it was the toyota dj house and they were printing they were taking cds and repurposing them and printing vinyl out of the cds and like putting songs on them they had you know meet and greets with people they had a whole barber shop you could go and get a haircut and get your eyebrows done you know, to like go to a festival to be exhausted, right? Like, because if you've been, you guys have been to music festivals, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so you go to a music festival, you're exhausted, right? And you're just like running around. Sometimes the best thing is to grab a Heineken or whatever the beer sponsor is and sit down at a DJ house or something like that, get a free t shirt, get a haircut, listen to some music, kill two hours, and have this experience. And you wear that t shirt for God knows how long. Mm-hmm. I still see people in Coachella shirts from 10 years ago walking down the streets in New York. Yeah, true. Because it, yeah, it's a, it becomes a pride thing too because I was there. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's true. Yeah, and so brands are starting to really get behind that because that's something that people connect to. I, so I went to the McDonald's house at South by Southwest mm-hmm. um, in uh, in March, whenever I was in March, and I was there for like two hours. It's called the Inn Lounge. That's what it's called. And it, mm-hmm. they had open bar and like this really great DJ. Did they have the original loved. french fries? Not they that. had the french fries. That was when they had first started doing breakfast all Lit. day. So they were promoting that. And Lit. it was just, I was there for like a good just two hours. Yeah, all the McGriddles, like, they were throwing <laughs> cheeseburgers at people. Like, they were, and it was, like, lit. It was so fun. Do you know I ate McDonald's for a smooth two months after that? Really? Like, I'm not kidding. Like, not every day, but I would pass one. I'd be hungry. I'd be like, you know what? Let me get some McDonald's. I had fun at yeah. the lounge. You know? And, like, that's real. And, like, we're talking about me. Yeah. I know marketing. I see through these things. I create these things. Yeah. And I was like, you got me. You know? And then there's things where, like, they fall flat because it just, you know, they... Because that's, that's always been, like, something I've wondered about. Because, for example, like, the, for instance, the Lexus um, event that you yeah. were a part of. So, they're doing all of this. Like, what's the end game for a, a corporation? Because that's they're doing all of this hoping that you get... Like, so you have 1,200 people that experience this. Uh-huh. Maybe, like, 800 of them are just there for the free alcohol. No, and then, that's like, why they hired us to curate that. So right. we didn't invite people. We invited people who were the who's who of San Francisco. So mm. if you invite this one person, 50 people will know about it because they'll tell them, they'll tweet them, they'll Instagram, they'll do whatever. This is when Instagram okay. just dropped, by the way. So that was a big thing. This is 2012. But going back to what Travis is saying and also what you're saying as well, when it comes to brands, the question to ask is what are you trying to do, not what can I do with you? Because mm. at the beginning of every, like, you have to have a vision. Like, you have to have a vision for what you're doing as a person, as a brand. You don't just wake up January 1st, 2017 and say, well, let's see. You know, you look at your numbers from last year. You look at your numbers from the year before. You look at what you're trying to do. You look at your competitors. Like, that's what everybody's, that's what Q4 is. Mm-hmm. You know, that's why when you reach out to people for sponsorships and partnerships after it's October, yeah. you can forget it because they're like, that money's been spent. Like, we've got Whoa. just enough for the holiday party. And mm-hmm. that is it. You know, you want to talk about February? I can get you something. Because we've got a whole budget for that that already exists and maybe could be expanded upon by the time we even really get there. Mm-hmm. We can end up finding some more money for 
you, you know? And so you have to talk to them about what they want. Like, you can't go to a brand and say, oh, you know, my audience is Latina women ages 31 to 36, mothers who live in the Bronx. And they're like, great, we're trying to reach young black men in Texas. They will look at you and say, thanks. If you can find someone who can get that audience, come on back. If you can make your idea about that audience or whatever come on back but you have to know what they want to do so like Lexus was releasing two cars at the time that were centered around art like they were designed by artists they were like uh, they were in pairs it's called opposites attract okay so they had different artists like make these cars like design help work with engineers to design these cars based on their ideas of like opposite things right so one is inspired by water one's inspired by oil so one's like shiny and gold and all that and the other one's matted silver you know like it's that was the whole thing and so they invited only art people only influencers like cultural people in san francisco because Mm. they would talk about that they would find that interesting and you know the lexus audience is more of that right it's an aspirational brand it's a luxury brand you know whereas Toyota is like a brand of the people you know so they're more interested in like let's pass out t-shirts let's do different things you know and then that just depends and i think Every company has their goals. They have their audience. They have their audiences they're trying to reach. You need to ask them. Like, you need to go to companies and say, how can I solve a problem for you with our relationship? Mm. And again, I would like to say that is a word for life. If people are not solving problems for you, making your life easier, making, you know, the environment you're in better to be around, don't do it. Don't waste your time on that. Because brands don't do it because they don't have the time to waste. They don't owe you anything. But don't do it in your personal life. That's just a word I'm leave y'all. I know somebody about to feel that, about to send that text message. That was not. <laughs> so, um, just real quickly, like, what are, what yeah. is? Um, we don't have to go quickly. You've, you've had, you've, you've had all of these experiences. What has, what has been the most rewarding experience in your opinion thus far? Oh God, like of my career, or just like in general? Um, let's go for. Let's go career-wise and, like, in general, because I wouldn't get an answer to Okay, and then what, when you say rewarding, what do you mean? As far as, um, what's your board, uh, creatively? Oh, okay. Well, that's the whole other side to my career, then. So, in addition to event production, brand marketing, as a consultant, which is what I do to make money, I also make web series, music videos, and short films. And that is, like, my creative outlet. So, I would say, creatively, it's my web series that I did last year. Nice. I co-wrote a web series with my best friend in the world. Shout out to Courtney. <laughs> called uh, Crying in Public. And it was about her. It's based off of her. She wrote like the pilot and like the original story of it. And it's about her when she moved to New York and all the things that like New York attacked her with. And mm. I can't tell you how many young women I've had come up to me and say, oh my God, that show was so funny. Or that is exactly me when I moved to New York or when mm. I moved to Detroit or when I moved to Denver. Like, all sorts of girls from all over the place have come up to me and been like, I saw your web series and I relate it. I sent it to my friend. I sent it to my little sister. She's starting college next week. Like, yeah, that's sure. the stuff that gets me. Because like I said, like I do it all. I do it all for black girls, but I do it all for girls in general. And so to have women relate to and experience something, you know, have that shared experience, that was the most fulfilling thing that's ever happened. And you're prepared for a, so chasing. a part two to that, right? No, we're not doing part two to that, but I'm filming my new web series called In Our Rooms. In January, before I leave Chicago, we're filming it all in my apartment. Okay. Which is gonna be crazy. It's gonna be cool. <laughs> and I wrote all of that myself. Yo, that's fly. Yeah. You have a, a very, um, I guess, a close, heartfelt, um, so what I'm looking for, like mission when it comes to women of color. 
uh, young girls of color? Like, where where does that come from? Is there had there been like a? Yeah, so that's and it's kind of interesting. So I was raised by my mother. It was my mother, my grandmother, and you know various relatives. My father wasn't really as around, and so I just grew up. My mom didn't want me to see that as a deficiency. She wanted me to be empowered by that, by being a woman, because especially as a black woman, like from the time you're born, everything is put in place to make you devalue yourself. Whether it's being told that you're ugly because you're dark skin. Or, you know, when people used to make fun of our asses and now they get injections to get our asses. That's crazy. And our lips and everything else. And, you know, growing up as a black girl and in a predominantly white, predominantly Jewish area, being very careful of not getting too loud because I didn't want to be perceived as ghetto. Not even really wanting to listen to hip-hop because I didn't want people to think I was too black or any of that. And so a lot of that traumatized me growing up. Mm. And then I got older and I was like, no, first of all, being black is lit. First of all, being a black woman is everything. <laughs> and, you know, I'll be damned if any other black girl in the world will have that experience and grow up not being proud of herself Word. and not seeing herself places. And so I'm so inspired by women like Shonda Rhimes and Issa Rae and, and mm-hmm. Maya, Maya Brock Kill, like just women in TV alone that are yeah. showing black women themselves. You, not even getting it. You her new series? I love it. it. So I, I seen half of the first episode, but I'm a, I was a huge fan of Black Girl. Oh my love God. I used to cry laughing. Me too. Shit. I still do. Sometimes I'll like rewatch an episode just like this shit was funny and yeah. it's painful. Yeah. So let me watch it. But yeah, like that's just in the TV space. Getting into, you know, Ava DuVernay and, and Tina Mabry and mm-hmm. all sorts of other women in the film realm and, and Belina and the music video world. Like, we're showing ourselves. Yo, damn. This is an I'm exciting time to be, to be around because our, our representation isn't, I mean, still not satisfied with the representation. <laughs> Right. But it's it's it's, it's getting to a place where it's aggressive and it's respectable. Like growing up, you know, in the nineties, like you would just see the same six people mm-hmm. in the black movie, and it's yeah. the same Spider-Man. somebody that took somebody name. Like, shout out to them. You know what I'm saying? But like, I really feel like you know now our our representation exactly. in the media is, is more. Complex, like they're, they're, we're, we're seeing more, um, you know, more facets of, of black life, and especially the, um, the 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 experience of the black woman, which I feel like hasn't really super been touched on yet. No, you know yeah. what? That's, that's just, no. Yeah, they're touching the surface. It's, it's a lot. Man. You know what it's it is? The experience of the black woman, I feel like, in the ways that it has been touched upon, except for by black women. Any film, which there are many, any show platform that you can find where black women talk about our own damn lives, it's a completely authentic and it's your experience or some version of it and that's fine. But a lot of times we get this very one-dimensional version of it. And like right. it pisses me off because black women aren't allowed to be vulnerable. We don't get that. You know, like the one thing that people always say about me that pisses me off, to be honest, is they're always like, oh, you're so strong. You know, such a strength and I'm just like I'm strong because this world has dealt me a pretty like shitty hand sometimes just mm. for by my pure existence not even talking about my actual life and what the people in my life have actually given me which has been wonderful existing in this world outside of that has been pretty rough and you have to become strong yeah, yeah. and you know we don't get to be soft and vulnerable and and you know all of those things like we barely even get to feel pretty half the time. You know, there's actual mm. studies that say that, you know, black women are dying because we go to the doctor and we say we're in pain and they're like, you can't be in that much pain. Because they don't see us as have, being vulnerable or experiencing pain. It's a real thing, yeah. Do your Googles. <laughs> yeah. well, I want to ask you too, but, um, ideally, you're doing some 
really dope things creatively and working with these festivals and producing these really fly events. Ideally, what is um the uh the lifestyle that you're looking for? Like, what do you wake up and how is your day spent where you're like, okay, I've made it to a space where I'm, I feel good and this is what I'm going to do every day. What is your ideal, um, Denasia wakes up and she does this and goes to sleep and does this? Wow. Wow. Huh. That's a good question for Aquarius because I live in Yo, Canada. excellent question, Travis. So, if you... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was deep. So, like, if you... <laughs> it depends. Okay, I think... Are we talking personally or professionally? Professionally. Professionally, okay. <laughs> professionally, I think I really want to get into bringing all of my worlds together. Mm. And for me, that looks like I really would like to produce an award show. Because mm. an award show is both an event, a television program, and a creative expression, right? Because you have performances, you have all sorts of other things, right? But it's also right. this, like, press moment. It's also, that's really what, like, that's kind of a big thing for me. But honestly, I have to say, I'm kind of living the dream right now. Like, I get to work on, I'm moving into 2017, because I like to just take things, like, one year at a time, aside from, like, the overall kind of plan. I really would like to, I see myself from the start of festival season, which is South by in March, to the end of it, which we just wrapped. With, we'll be at South by. Absolutely. Definitely, yeah. Well, I think I we're going to get a house, actually. So we'll what? talk about it. You can put down on that if you want. Yeah, um, y'all can share it. It's going to be cute. Maybe we'll get you bunk beds. You know, <laughs> definitely a proponent for the uh, multiple bedroom. Uh, <laughs> are you now it just yeah. makes sense <laughs> the yeah. guy needs a space yeah <laughs> you know, preferably yeah. with the uh, you know the bathroom adjoining oh adjacent. wow okay so y'all get your it's own house no I'm kidding because yeah, we were planning to put y'all in the closet just like, <laughs> and like one toothbrush and a bowl not, in the corner nah 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 so yeah, I want to, from the start of festival season to March to the end in October, I want to be doing at least one festival a month next year, which mm-hmm. I probably did like one every two months this year. Um, we have an event series that we're going to be building yeah, sure. Honestly, if the last month of my life could be what the next year to two years of my life looks like, I'd be more than happy. So right. I, and that was producing our event. Let's plug that real quick. The Reserve. The Reserve. Yes. Yes. It was great. It was a great event. Creative marketplace for brands, products, services. It was really dope. Yeah, it was super good. It's going to be a series next year. So we're doing six of them. We still need to talk about that, actually. Mm. Put a pen in that. Um, And then from that, I went to A3C, did a festival slash conference. Um, Definitely want to do more conferences. Um, I'm working, because I have a lot of side hustles. I'm Jamaican. So you gotta have at least five revenue streams coming in, yeah. or the island might kind of wash you away. That's what we just believe. Absolutely. To be Jamaican, you actually have to have at least. It's a prerequisite. Is that in order to keep your citizenship? They ask you. So how many places are you currently in check? <laughs> and if it's less than five, they're like, you can get them. <laughs> but yeah, no. Um, I did the reserve, then I did A3C in Atlanta, and then I did the Juicy J party with Colt Forty Five, and now I'm doing Office Act tomorrow. If the rest of my year could look like this last month, yeah. that would be great. And ideally, I'd like to be able to fund all of that. So the Airbnbs mm. and the Ubers and all of it just so. cashed out. Um, but that's pretty much it. Like, I love working. I'm a workaholic. Like, I'm yeah. always going to work. I'm okay with that. I've accepted that. It's a thing. Yeah. You know, everyone jokes I'm probably going to marry a security guard. It's the only man I ever see. But <laughs> 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 so. you have a great skill set for this field. Um, what tips... 
Would you give any young girl, a young guy, or anybody that wants to get into this field? And well, I only give tips to young girls because you men can figure it out for yourselves. I mean, we still, <laughs> we still need advice. I'm kidding. I'm not you plenty of advice. You definitely <laughs> drop a couple keys. A couple keys. We share keys, and that's what life's about. That's true. No, sure. I would say the one thing. Mm-hmm. Oh God, there's many things, many, many things. They'll all be in my book that's coming out. Um, yeah, you got a book too? I'm writing a book next year. Is it in Jamaican Patois? That's it. It's going to be hard to I read. I wish my Patois isn't even good chapter. enough. For <laughs> it's going to be tree chapter. Tree chapter. Buddha bye bye. Chapter two, Lot of Mercy. No, but what's that's it? What's good though. Your password, your like Jamaican accent's better than mine, honestly. Nah, that's, that's just a How lot. How many jobs you got? We can pull. It's a lot of prayer in Oxtail Gravy. Yeah, so you born and raised in Brooklyn, like. Yeah, that's true. That's you true. spent some time that's in true. Flatbush. You have babies. I've spent plenty of time. I'm going back to Flatbush after this. Um, what you about to do? Like, that's crazy. I don't know what you, what you want to do. <laughs> that's not even, that's not even ourselves, right? Okay. But, yeah, uh, yeah. So, um, but what's your book? What, what's your book going to be about? So it's about my life. It's called uh, "Build by Breaks: Breakdowns, okay. Breakthroughs, and Breakups." Mm. So it's going to start with the breakups that lead to the breakdowns that lead to the breakdowns. Yeah, well, I've been rejected a lot in my life, mm. like a lot. <laughs> like, and you know what? Like, it's the best thing that can ever happen. You always want no away from me, yes, the way I see it. Huh? You always want no away from me, yes. Yeah, and it's not even about that. Like every time you're rejected, you see what isn't for you, and you look back on it and you're like, man, if I had gotten that thing I wanted, where would I be? You know, mm-hmm. like that's always how it happens. And every time you're rejected, what you're really being faced with is wanting something and not getting it. And so all you have to do is look at why you wanted it. Yo, and that's that's, that's crazy because um, uh, that's an interesting point because every time like, you know, somebody's rejected or you experience some type of disappointment, what goes on in your brain after that is all the upside like, dang, I wish I would have gotten this job because X, Y, Z, this would have been a play. But you never really know that. Like, you you don't know that that, that might have, you know, worked out for you in, in that particular way, you yeah, know? Absolutely. That was an interesting point. Yeah, or like sometimes, you know, you get what you want and it's nothing like you thought it would be. And mm. you end up hating it, you know, and you end up miserable. But, um, yeah, so that's what my book is about. And I'm going through all of that, like, from the beginning, like, with my parents and what my parents were like all the way up until wherever I'll be once it's finished. <laughs> but yeah, so that's what the book's about. But if I had to give a young person advice, mm-hmm. I would say the number one thing is to figure out who you are. Figure out who you are and have that be your top priority. Like, do whatever you need to do to figure that out. If you need to go and live on a, you know, kibbutz in Israel for six months to get to who you are, do that. If you need to not go to school, if you need to go to school, if you need to go to three schools, if you need to, whatever it is, if you need, whatever, just focus on figuring out who you are. Not who you're dating, not, you know, what your parents want you to be, who you are. Because you only get one opportunity to tell people who you are. Every time you walk into a room, every time you do anything. And people will put their labels on you. As a black woman, I, you know, I've like I said I've battled labels my whole life people are always in a rush to tell you who you are you tell people who you are mm-hmm. no one else can give that to you and if you find that you don't know what that is I've been in that place where you don't know who you are and you don't know what you stand for you don't know what drives you and you're lost it's no good it's no good and people are all too eager to mold you and especially when you're young mm. so if something doesn't feel right in your gut go with it 
you know, like go against or do whatever you need to do to like follow your path, follow your instincts and learn to cultivate your instincts. And that comes with making mistakes too. Don't be afraid of mistakes. Don't be afraid of failure. Don't be afraid of rejection. Just know that it's your path and also be really good to people and maintain your relationships. They get you everywhere. That's very true. That's very true. So where can a client find you to if they want to, you know, hit up, hit you up for your services? I'm going to have a website soon. Actually, can I ask you guys? So me and the person who's doing my rebrand, my mentor, Shanae Shipret, who is amazing, um, I'm kind of trying to decide, should it be Denasia.com or should it be DenasiaReeds.com? What do you guys think? I feel like Denasia's like one of my I feel like all the bottled waitresses use two names. All the who? The bottle waitresses. So it's like, you know what I'm saying? What? <laughs> what? I don't know. I don't know where that came from. I'm going to be trying to go with that brother here. Who is this car? Yo, I'm just saying. No, you know what I'm It's funny because you say that. It's funny that you said that because whenever people like tell, I joked about it. Like when people say, like, when I tell people I do events, people mm-hmm. will always come at me oh yeah my friend does like bottle service so like my friend is a promoter at blah 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 I'm like no no baby like I produce events mm. I don't wear bandage dresses and show up at places that's crazy <laughs> yeah, I don't that's own not crazy. one leotard I, I actually I own several leotards I just say I wasn't a woman I said <laughs> Yeah, okay. I think I think the Yeah, Denasia Reese is pretty popular. Though. I like I like that. Like yeah. I like a whole name. It's it's very regal. I think it'll make my grandfather proud. I, I like a whole name too, but I also think more her versus because Denasia's kinda like a specific like branding type of thing to it. Right? Because it's like Denasia, yeah. you know what I mean? You are the only Denasia. You are the you know, the event specialist and but that works. But um, you said your website will be up soon, shortly? Yeah, so that's going to be up by mid-November. But for now, I would say the best way to contact me is email. You okay. can, I will say my email. It's denasia.reese at gmail.com. Okay. So it's just my name. And your socials are? Spell Denasia for, for those who are spelling challenged like me. Thank Facts. you. It's, yeah, it's D-E-N-A-Y-J-A period R-E-E-S-E at gmail. And then my Twitter handle is girl w that laugh. I'm sure you've all heard my laugh. I'm very sorry. This is um, <laughs> like yeah, it's girl with that laugh. Girl w that laugh on Twitter, and then the full girl with that laugh on Instagram. And follow me. I'm always on Twitter. Talk to me. I do want to ask you one last question before we wrap. What is that tattoo? I've been looking at it the whole time. What does it say? <laughs> it's um, a prayer for the wild at heart kept in cages. It's is a Tennessee that- Williams quote. You know what? Really? Tennessee? Yeah. Y'all fuck with I Tennessee love, Williams. I love... Do you really? Oh, yeah, Kevin Hudson Roof? Yeah. Blast Menagerie? Who is that? Like, let me find he's out. He's a playwright. Let me... Yes! Yeah. See? Probably, he's, he's about that much. You, you are the big guy. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they say. Stop <laughs> it. <laughs> I'm playing. I'm playing. Come out later. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, no, no. So it's Tennessee Williams. And I actually got it because, like many of us African-Americans, a lot of my relatives have been in the jail. Mm. No stranger to the inside of the penitentiary. Shout out to Ava DuVernay, who just made 13. Yo, watch that film. Right, do it great. right now. Happy I watched it. Um, but yeah, so I think that's what a lot of our young black people are, unfortunately, is wild hearts literally put in cages before they even know who they are. And I got this tattoo when I was 18 years old, graduating mm. with like a three-point something. You know, I had a very fantastic, carefree black girl teenage life. Mm. And I realized a lot of people didn't have that. And yeah, so that's why I got that tattoo. Oh, that's fly. Yo, Denasia, we want to thank you for stopping by and speaking to us and thank dropping you. all this knowledge upon our head top. Absolutely. I appreciate Absolutely. it. No, anytime. Listen, have me back. Let's do like a thing. I think we should do like a thing. Like, we'll, I'm going to, we'll, yeah. We'll thing. Let's do like a thing. We'll, like, we should like do like a like a theme or something and like do some stuff. Or I mean, maybe I mean, we should do an advice one. 
I mean, you got the key, so we should talk about that thing. Yeah, no, for real. Like, let's do like an advice one. Like, we'll have people email y'all, and I'll like give people advice on the show. No, the nation, y'all. Thank you, guys. <laughs> 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 What we say around this time? Stay driven. Stay driven. Stay driven.